Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews. Coming up on NBA Today, Woj with the latest on the likely suspension for Celtics head coach Ime Udoka. Plus, Ben Simmons tells all an inside look at his fallout in Philly and why the Nets will be virtually unguardable. Do not miss that. Also, the Mavericks star Luka Doncic, he joins the show and tells us why this Mavs team is ready for a finals run. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews alongside Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, Jalen Rose, and Richard Jefferson. We start today with news out of Boston. Celtics coach Ime Udoka is likely facing a one-year suspension for his role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member. That's what sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski. This is a developing story. We're here to deliver the facts, provide you with reporting, and give insight into the impact this could have on an organization that's hoping to contend for a championship. And with that, I'd like to bring back our panel and start with Woj here. Woj, how did the Celtics determine this one-year suspension? Boston weighed everything here, including the possibility uh, of a dismissal. They looked uh, at, I think, the the impact this has for their organization, the people involved, and and I think for the Celtics because Ime Udoka is in a leadership position as the head coach of this franchise. I think they see this, you know, as a breach of uh, judgment, of of trust, and and obviously they're taking this really seriously. This is, there's never really been uh, a sitting head coach who has faced uh, uh, this kind of punishment. A one-year suspension uh, is dramatic. And so, listen, five years ago, Ten years ago, three years ago, might this have been looked at differently? Um, a relationship that, that's considered improper in the workplace, it might have been looked at differently. But this is 2022, and those in charge in Boston you know, are making a decision um, that uh, th- there was going to be uh, a significant punishment for Ime Adoka. And this is not easy. This is a coach mm. who led them to the finals in his first year. Listen, this is somebody that they have been thrilled with as a leader in that organization. I think this is a a devastating, this has been a devastating week within the Celtics. And I think as more people have learned about the fallout of this, what has happened, I think certainly for this organization, um, it is jarring. First of all, above all else, this is potentially a family and personal issue before a basketball issue, before an employment issue. You have to remember there are people whose lives are going to be impacted by this uh, one way or another. Second, I understand the dissonance between why did Robert Sarver get a one-year suspension for all the stuff that he did we've been talking about all week, and why does a head coach get the same length suspension for what is being described as a consensual relationship? I understand the outrage. I understand the criticism. I understand all that. I think, as Woj alluded to, we just don't know all the particulars yet, and until we do, we have to consider things like 
What were the workplace dynamics like? Were there power dynamics in place that made this an untenable situation? If there were, and people's jobs have to get moved or reassigned or anything like that, what harm does that have, does that befall on anyone involved? Is that okay? Is that fair? We just don't know the answers to those things yet. And until we do, we just don't know how this is going to unfold. Maybe it is a one-year suspension. Maybe it gets reduced. Maybe he just can't return as Celtics head coach after that one year for a, a whole variety of reasons. Until we know those particulars, I think rushing to judgment on the length of the penalty is, is probably not a good idea. Well, for now, we have to look to what comes next. And Woj, you reported that Joe Missoula will be the interim head coach here. You can see his resume on your screen. He's been a Celtics assistant coach the last three seasons after spending the previous three seasons at Fairmount State. And he played for West Virginia between 2006 and 2011 and now could become the NBA's youngest head coach at 34 years old. And we'd be remiss not to also mentioned that Missoula was arrested twice at West Virginia, once in 2008 for underage drinking and aggravated assault. He pled guilty, paid a fine, and then again in 2009 for domestic battery after an incident at Morgantown Bar. The domestic battery case never went to trial. It was settled in August of 2009. He paid a $100 fine and court costs, plus had to do 40 hours of community service. Now, that was 13 years ago. He settled and paid both fines. So, Woj, why are the Celtics choosing him as their next head coach? Well, let's start with this. This is somebody whose character they really believe in, whose leadership they really believe in, and tactically. They think this is uh, Joe Mazzulla has all the makings of a head coach in the NBA. He was one of the finalists in Utah, along with his colleague Will Hardy, who was uh, together they were on the Celtics staff last year with with uh, Ime Udoka, Hardy gets the job. Uh, Will Hardy wanted to take uh, Joe Mazzulla to the Jazz with him. Boston stepped up and elevated him. And so this is somebody who I think was going to be a head coach in this league. It comes a lot sooner. Uh, defensively played a big role uh, tactically with uh, Udoka last year on a defense that was number one in the league. But he is not in here. This is not a rebuild like Utah. He is inheriting a team with championship aspirations. You know, he was a small college head coach. Uh, he does have some head coaching experience. It's a lot different with uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But uh, I think you might see them maybe bring in another veteran assistant for this staff. It's a lot of brain power that goes out the door with Udoka, Will Hardy, and now Missoula moving up. But uh, this is somebody who I know Brad Stevens really believes in and somebody who, if he wasn't going to be the interim head coach here in Boston this year, was on his way to be a head coach elsewhere. And I think with all of that as the backdrop, you have to imagine, Jalen, that the Celtics, the players, they went through this entire summer thinking that uh, Ime Udoka was going to come back as their head coach. They have championship aspirations. How does all of this impact their mindset heading into the season? Well, this is unfortunate for everyone involved because if you look at how the net season went and ended, they didn't win a playoff game and they ended up getting swept by the Celtics. I truly believe the trajectory of the Celtics and what happened to the Nets, the one decision that made the difference was the Nets hired Steve Young, I mean Steve Nash, and then they hired Ime Odoka. Like he was a terrific voice for that team that you're describing and being able to challenge Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and elevating Marcus Smart to be a defensive player of the year. But this also is a classic example of how your decision making can now influence so many different parts of your life. This decision, these potential series of decisions, unfortunately for him, may cost him his family, 
They cost him an opportunity to grow up in the same house with his, with his son that he has with Nia Long. It may ultimately cost him his job. And I believe moving forward, I think it's going to be hard ultimately for him to be their leader and coach long term because those relationships have to be in sync from top down. And at some point, clearly the, there's been a breach in trust. Mm. And now that that has happened, I think it's going to be tough for the Celtics long term to continue to see him as their head coach going forward after this situation. No, I, I agree. And, and we talk about the continuity. They were building in Boston. They were building something. It feels like they've been building for a long time, but it seemed like finally the, the, the next level of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Market Smart, instead of being the young guys with Al Horford and Kyrie and Isaiah, now all of a sudden these guys were built to be leaders and they had become leaders and they had gone through a lot. And now they're about to be on their third head coach in three seasons. Let's not, and I understand it's still within the organization and I, I, I get that, but the fact that this young team is now after coming off the of finals and like, hey, can we build on this? Can we were two games away, you know, from, from possibly winning a championship? That's like two, 3% better from right. each player. And so now that you're going to get a new head coach with a new rhythm and a new feel and a new idea. And so I think for me, I know it's always funny when they were like, oh, Ime, Emay, most times coaches don't step down because if you step down, you do not get paid. Typically, if you get fired, then you get all of your money. You get all of your money still. So coaches are going to always be weary of like, I'm going to step down. I'm going to step away. They're more likely, if you don't want me here, fire me. But in, a, in another year, Emay is going to come back and then try and coach this team the same way he had had and had built up. That's going to be a very, very difficult process, not only for him, but for the players and the organization. Mm. Everyone loses in this situation. Richard, and, and you talk about that, what it could look like next year trying to come back. And listen, I'm told it's going to be a one-year suspension. That's what they were finalizing today, and they would announce it at some point today. But it is not necessarily a guarantee that he is back in this job after a year. Who knows what happens with Joe Missoula as an interim coach and how they move forward uh, with Udoka, how this plays out. So there are no guarantees, but listen, I do think Ime Udoka made such an impression on people in this league, the job he did in Boston last year. Uh, I don't think the final chapter has been written mm -mm. on his head coaching career yeah. in the NBA, whether that's in Boston or somewhere else. We've seen other high-level executives and coaches recover from things like this often it's in to your point a different place and maybe that ends up what's happened here because as you said it's just it just cognitively it's hard to figure out how this works you just go away for a year the team does what it does maybe they're awesome maybe they take a step back and you just walk back in the door and, and coach the team it seems awkward and certainly strange well the, well the Boston Red Sox had that without score he was suspended for a year for cheating and next thing you know he's back a year later so in you know in Boston the Boston fans yeah. that that group they they've seen this something along these lines where a coach you hire all of a sudden he's got to go for a year and then come back so this is not unprecedented in sports but shoot even in the Boston area in the last five years so I think there are ways to do it but it's like sure. that's a long trust road back well, no yeah. hold on that's way different because the cheating that Cora was doing was trying to put the team in position to win the World Series and so there was a level of even though he was wrong the other people understood that he was trying to do it for each person's best interest in this case Emay's on an island and it's going to be hard to gain the trust from the ownership to front office. And then it's going to be snickers all around about what happened when the team hits turbulence. Imagine before January 1st, this team was trying to find its rhythm. 
And he's done so very much to put himself in position to get this job. He's played all over the world. He's played in the NBA. He was an established assistant head coach. And it's just really unfortunate now that he gets his opportunity. um, These decisions are now potentially going to cost him that job. Well, and and right now what we know is that it's likely going to be a one-year suspension. Right now we are waiting for the Boston Celtics to announce the the details, the specifics of what that will look like, and we will cover it as soon as we have that announcement. Coming up on NBA Today, I do want to check in on Brooklyn, gentlemen, because for the first time since joining the Nets, Ben Simmons talks about the details of his fallout with Philly. Plus, our ESPN rank continues. 10 through 6 was released today, so wait until you see where LeBron and KD landed on the list and Luka Doncic but maybe I should say the AI version of him joins this show wait we'll show you what we're talking about NBA Today continues after this now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. NBA Today is brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. It's a blessing to be in an organization like this. You know, I'm just looking forward to getting back on the floor and building something great here. Having those guys run alongside me at the pace we want to play at, I think it's going to be scary. So it's been about a year since our Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Ben Simmons would not report to training camp with the Philadelphia 76ers. That was, of course, following their loss to the Hawks in the Eastern Conference semis. But since then, we haven't really heard much from Ben about the actual fallout that he had with the franchise. So our friend, J.J. Redick, asked him why he decided to even return to practice after requesting out of Philadelphia. Take a listen. I was trying to do the right thing, at least, like do right by you know, whatever the team, the, my teammates, whatever, you know, whoever it is, but trying to do the right thing. And I just was not in that place to play. Like I wasn't, like I just couldn't do it. Um, and I, you know, getting kicked out of that, that practice that day, I actually spoke to Doc before practice. I was like, Doc, I'm not ready. Like mentally, I'm not ready. Please just understand that. You know, I tried to let him know prior and he's like, well, I'm going to put you in anyway. I'm like, all right. Told me to get in. I was like, I looked at him. Like, it was like two, it's like one minute into practice. Like, man, get in. I'm like, first of all, no one's, no one's doing that. You're doing this on purpose. And that's how I felt. Too. I was like, okay, so you're, it's like, it seems like everyone's just trying to, you know, like I have, I'm getting fined for like not lifting weights, but physically I'm like one of the strongest guys on the 
team. So I'm like, now they're finding me for little things. And, and it was just a buildup of, obviously, I didn't handle things the right way, but also the team didn't either. I'm back here with Zach, Jalen, and Richard. That's really interesting. He said that he didn't feel like he was mentally ready to be there, and yet here he was, thrown into the fire. What do you make of that, Jalen? Well, the relationship between Ben and the Sixers truly ended when they lost to the Hawks. Mm. If you look back at the last handful of years in the East, all of the top players have gotten a chance to at least make it to the NBA Finals, except Joel Embiid and the Sixers who've added Daryl Murray, Doc Rivers to go with that guy Ben Simmons since then. And so when he doesn't perform for them, that now puts them in position for James Harden. When James Harden quits on the Nets, they trade him for Ben Simmons. I ask, how did Ben Simmons pass a physical? Hmm. He didn't play a game for the Nets, Zach Lowe, but he had back surgery. So now as you graduate the story, to me, if he's healthy, the main thing that's going to be different basketball-wise is he ain't going to have to be the lead guard at the top of the floor, sure. not attempting jump shots. He's going to be on the baseline in a dunker spot. He's going to be a screener. And instead of being the second best player on the contending team, he's going to be the third best player. Which is where he and I think that's exactly where he should be. Well, he did mention on the podcast that he hurt himself on, his, on the stairs, right? That's what he said in the podcast. But go ahead, Richard. Well, th thanks for the lob there. Uh, no, no. I, I, I do. I throw it up. Don't dunk, dunk the lob, though. Don't, don't, pass, I, I, don't, I, I, don't pass, pass it off. Don't pass it off. Don't pass it off. But this is my thing about it, and I'm glad that he got an opportunity to speak and admit that, like, hey, there were things that I could have done better. You know what we won't hear that from? The mm. Philadelphia organization. We won't hear that from the 76ers, and I don't think there's a person up here or even anybody with a halfway intelligent brain that doesn't think the 76ers could have handled this better. We're going to force you to show up. I'm going to meet with the coach and say, hey, look, mentally and emotionally, I'm not ready. That's fine. I'm going to put you out there. I'm going to put you out there. And then, like, two minutes into practice, Jalen, you know, mm -hmm. you're the first-team guy. But first-team first guys typically are just like, I'll get out there when I get out there because I'm going to play 82 mm -hmm. games and I'm going to have to play 40 minutes a night. You're not telling me to get into practice. So they're actually just trying to egg him on. They're pushing him. They're pushing buttons. They're pushing buttons. And so I respect Ben Simmons for saying there were things that I could have done better. And I wish the Philadelphia organization would also say, like, hey, in respects to Ben Simmons, we tried our best we try different things mm. there are things that we wish we could have done better in this situation but I don't think we're going to hear that from them I don't think we will either I think what's past is past for them yeah. they, they've moved on I, I will say it's very clear from both that segment and the rest of the podcast on JJ's podcast um, he felt betrayed the moment that Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid spoke after that Hawks game that's about what, what went wrong in that, that game. Up. And it Correct. was it was unrecoverable almost from there. And then he talks about how, well, nobody visited me in L.A. that summer, and then they tried to come out the last minute. It was over, I think, for him then and unrecoverable. I will say, though, he, he does – at some point say there are things I could have done better. I, I, I don't really remember what those were from the podcast because I did also hear like a lot of deflection, particularly when he talks about that play. Mm -hmm. He kind of minimizes it as well. There's only one play and talks goes through. It was a through, whole series goes, towards the end of that series. Go, well, and, that's, and that's what was minimized to me is there was no talk about how he was afraid to get fouled. There's no talk about how he shot 34% from the free throw line in those playoffs and what that did to him. And I, I thought I would like to have heard a little bit more about his mental state in that regard because, look, I don't care if you're playing with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, yeah. 
if you're afraid to get fouled and you live around the rim, that's a problem. And right. that's what I'm most curious to see. More than the threes, more than the jump shots that everyone harps on about, that's what I want to see. And I didn't hear much about that. Well, let's talk about his current team a little bit and what Ben Simmons Do we have to? Expects. We yes. have to, Jack, because I said so. Richard, hush. Okay. Let's take a listen to how he thinks he's going to fit in with his current team. That narrative around the shooting is so constant. How frustrating is that? Um, I think for a while it was just... It's so repetitive. You're hearing it all the time from everybody. You're like, hell, like, just get off my case. Like, I do other stuff too. Like, I'm guarding the best players. And that's one thing I don't, I don't think people respect that enough. Like, what I'm bringing to the court, because there's a lot of bringing to the court. Are you going to shoot threes this season for the Nets? Yeah, I need to. I need to just <laughs> go out there and put some up. <laughs> do you have reservations about this season, about your own physical ability, about your, your own ability to play? Or no, because no, you I'll have be, this this like foundation, you know, I'm good. No, I'll be I'll be great, and I'm excited to play with you know Kev, Kai, Joe, all those guys. Like, we just have an unbelievable team. And I know it. Like for me, um, after surgery, I know I knew it was going to take to get back to where I need to be, and I've been locked in. Just like the the talent that we have and the, and the type of players that we have, I think this this team right now is just a great fit for what I do and and what I bring to the game. Um, I feel like it's Philly on steroids, kind of. Philly on steroids. All right. Interesting. I want to bring in our senior writer, Brian Windhorst, to get his thoughts on that. How, how dangerous the Nets can be. Do you agree with Ben Simmons' assessment here? Yeah, I know that the Nets had all that drama with Kyrie and Durant in the offseason, but I've said this throughout the summer. I actually like the moves that they've made. And to address the issues that they had, which were defensive deficiencies, uh, Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal were terrific additions. And actually, while the accountability of what happened in Philly was a little bit lacking in this interview, his enthusiasm about where he is mentally now and what he's thinking about the next uh, the Nets was refreshing. That was one of the big things I took away from this conversation is that at least when you look forward, that it looks like Ben Simmons is ready to play. And I wasn't sure about him mentally or with that back injury. You know, back injuries, especially back surgeries, are very worrisome. Um, and so, you know, the, the demeanor that he had was very good. And look, let's just be honest. He, is, he may shoot a couple of three-pointers this year, but they're going to have one of the best shooting teams in the league. If he doesn't take a shot outside the paint and he defends with versatility at one end and he creates space by getting into the lane and dishing out or playing out of the post, he will have done his job. He doesn't have to shoot at all this season. Mm. I think maybe knowing that probably helps him a little bit mentally going in as well. Richard, what's our what's our petty saying around here? Hey, listen, if you stay petty, you ain't got to get petty. And they stay petty in Brooklyn. Well, so can I be petty for a Please minute? Please be petty. Who's going to finish higher then, Philly or Brooklyn? This, this is a good question. Me and Jalen are looking at that <laughs> roster. You got Seth Curry. You got Joe Harris. You have so much talent and Ben Simmons. Uh, do we remember how hard Kevin Durant had to work for every single shot in their offense last year in the postseason? If you have a person that can get steals, create easy buckets like Ben Simmons, this is one of the top four most talented teams in the NBA, if not higher. I think the Brooklyn Nets, if they can, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I want to say the Brooklyn Nets because I'm going to say Boston wow. does not have their leader. Boston does not have I their leader. I said Philly or – Oh, I thought you were saying Boston or – but, yeah, 
What? Same, you same thing. Jalen, do you listen? Yes, I'm going to Ness is the answer there to your go. question. Okay. But, but the narrative around shooting will continue to be something we talk about with Ben Simmons because the game is so very hard, Malika, when you can't shoot. And so what ends up happening is, yeah, he's not going to be playing at the top of the floor as the mm. point guard, and you'll be able to hide it during the game. But there's other parts of shooting, too, like free throws. And so if we're going to have you finish the game, yeah, we can have him play small ball five. We can have him do a lot of stuff. But still, you got to be able to make shots to finish games God, if they're going to win the East. you got three guys that shoot 90% on uh, KD. Kyrie, you know Joe you Harris, can't like, hide somebody that can't shoot. Th- that's that's also true. a playmaker. You know this. Okay, it's difficult. If you, how are you gonna playmake in not being able to attempt certain shots Offensive when the game is close? All you do is funnel the ball I'm to the say percentages. I'm just gonna say two things. Number one, the answer is Philly to okay. your question. Number two. That roster looks great on a television screen. Oh, looks amazing. great when you listen. Yeah, looks amazing. Big. But yeah. what is it that you said about the greatest hypothetical team in history? Well, that was the. This That's is like another iteration of that. The, of the Nets. Let's see if this one can looks jump great off on the, the screen onto the court, and we'll see how this shakes out. Uh, you know who else I want to see whose team shakes out this year? I want to see how the Dallas Mavericks Ooh. and Luka Doncic. Oh, yeah. I feel look. a transition coming. It's coming because Mavs star Luka Doncic joins the show to talk about his magic on and off of the court. Richard, don't worry. That was we'll a great transition. To you. great transition. Plus, we have more on the developing story regarding Ime Udoka's looming suspension. And see where LeBron and Kevin Durant landed on our top 10 list. Don't miss Richard's take on who he's taking. Don't go anywhere. NBA Today will be right back. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. My basketball journey has been a lot of fun. All I dreamed about when I was a kid made in the NBA. Just watch and enjoy. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you. How did he get away? He's a rookie, but he's a bad man. When I'm playing the best, I have fun. I couldn't live without this game. Step back three. Bullseye. Mama. There goes that man. I'm living a Luka Doncic literally can do it all on the basketball court, sometimes being a one-man wrecking crew for the Dallas Mavericks. But 
What if there were two Lucas in the world? Well, now we may just find out. Doncic just launched Luke AI. It's an AI version of Luca and visual creator who exists to, quote, make the world more playful. It's self-learning, artificial intelligence, capable of emotional, physical, That's and technological... Backed by real AI technologies that allow him to appear and engage initially Richard on TikTok, allowing him to understand human behavior, language, and trends in real time. So I sat down with Luca and we discussed this venture as well as the summer ahead and the future he has with the Dallas Mavericks. Joining us now is three-time All-NBA guard for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. Thank you so much for being here. Luka, Luka, where are you coming from today? Where are you? I'm in Slovenia, my hometown. Enjoying some time off before the season. Well, you enjoy that time off. We appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us, especially with this enormous time difference. But you're developing a very special series, the Luke AI, and it features your alter ego. Why? It's just because, you know, I like technology. Uh, I play video games. I mean, I used to play a lot, uh, now so-so, but it was something that inspired me, and I'm very excited for this project. I'm excited to see it. Uh, a component of Luke AI is that you want to give fans access to your interests and to your values. So let's, let's just start there. Can you share your interests that the world at large may not know about that we're going to see here? Yeah, it's going to be basically me. It's going to speak like me, act like me, you know, do some probably trick shots. <laughs> and fans could, people could interact with it, you know, through pro- TikTok is going to be the most, uh, the profile he's going to have. TikTok is going to be the profile. Is there a specific mannerism that it's going to embody or maybe a hobby that it has that you also have? I mean, it's going to be mostly basketball, mm. you know, trick shot. But then uh, people could ask me questions, too, and I could respond as, as a Luca AI. So you said it's going to involve a lot of trick shots. It's going to involve a lot of basketball. So let's talk a little bit of basketball because your Slovenian team, it recently fell to Poland in the Eurobasket quarterfinals. And it's a competition. I mean, you dominated in the past. You won the title in 2017. What did you learn from this year's run and the loss that you're going to take with you into this upcoming NBA season? Yeah, it was a really hard loss for us. Uh, you know, uh, Poland played great. Uh, they had an amazing game. Uh, we just weren't there. You know, we didn't compete as, as we should, as we know. But Poland did an uh, amazing match. They prepared really good. But I think this tournament, I learned a lot. Uh, the teams were amazing. There was a lot of great teams, great players. And it was another experience that was, that was awesome. You said you learned a lot. Was there something specific you learned about yourself during this play? I mean, not uh, like myself, mostly as a team, you know, mm. uh, being a leader, you know, helping others. I learned a lot of new things, you know, the way I should act, the way I shouldn't act. So as a leader, I learned a lot of things. Well, someone who came to see you play was Jason Kidd. And after taking over as head coach last season, he helped lead the Mavericks to the team's best record since 2015. What impact did he have on you personally and then on the team as a whole? Yeah, I think it was... Um, He's a great coach. You know, he knows everything about the game. Uh, he played, he was a champion and he played my position. You know, his passing was amazing. Everything was amazing. And he helps me a lot, you know. And, and when I see, you know, Jay, uh, Mark, uh, Nico, all the guys come all the way from Dallas, you know, it's something special and really, it's really enjoyable. And I, I, I thank them every day. 
Well, speaking of Dallas, we last saw your Mavericks in Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals, the farthest that you've taken your team in the postseason since being drafted. So what do you need to do? What are you tasking yourself with to take your team to the finals this year? Yeah, it's going to be really hard. You know, I think the Western Conference is really packed. Uh, but we're going to believe. You know, I always say before the season, the goal is to win a championship. Uh, we have some new players uh, some left, so we're going to have to build a team in this preseason and then just play basketball and have fun. Do you believe that the West got better this offseason? Yeah, I think so. I mean, only probably it is, yeah. <laughs> well, you say the, the, it's always a championship expectations for, for you. You always go into the season saying that's what we want to do. We want to win a championship. Is this championship or bust? Is it this we need to make it to the finals and that's what we're going for this year? What is your expectation? I mean, my expectation is to make it to the finals, you know, first of all. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's going to be really, really hard, uh, but we got to believe, you know, everybody got to believe it. And if if the whole team believes, you know, uh, it can probably happen, but it's going to be really hard. I imagine it's some combination of belief, but also the skill that you and your teammates bring to the court. And you had a career high usage rate last season, over 37%. But you are losing your backcourt mate in Jalen Brunson, who was second on the team in both points and assists. How much more of a load are you anticipating bearing this season? Honestly, I don't know. You know, we got to see uh, what team we have, you know, how somebody plays. But I think uh, Spanish is going to come. Uh, big this year uh, but talking about JB you know he had an amazing season yeah. but he worked he worked really hard these four years you know and he deserves all the money he got he deserved this spot and you know I just want to uh, wish him luck and all the best. Well, speaking of Jalen, originally when he signed with the Knicks, you said that the market, it just started, and I expect the bosses of Dallas to have more options to sign, so let's see what they do. Well, now we've seen what they've done. How do you feel about what the team was able to do in terms of roster construction? Oh, I feel good. You know, we signed a couple of guys, and I feel good. I think they did a pretty good job. I think we have one more spot open, I think, or maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I think they, they did pretty good, you know. Uh, we have a good team, a big team, and we're ready to go. When you look around the league, the majority of upper echelon teams, they have multiple superstars. Do you think that you need another all-star to truly contend here? No. I mean, I think we have great players on, on our team. Uh, there's plenty very underrated guys that I think should be talked about more. So I don't think so. I think we have a great team. Who are those underrated guys that you think need a little bit more shine? Let's give them some shine here. Uh, for sure, number one is Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, he's, he's worked really, really hard. Uh, he's one of the best defensive guys. If, and if he's open, he's going to make a shot. There's uh, a couple more. You know, Spence is going to have a big role this year. Uh, talking about Christian Wood, you know, uh, he's, he's a new player to Dallas, but I think he's going to be huge for us. Last season, Luca, you were called for 17 technical fouls, although two of them were ultimately rescinded. How do you plan on towing the line of limiting technical fouls while still maintaining the level of passion that we've come to know you play with? Yeah, the only thing about me is I don't want to lose, and that's that's why I list. Off the ground, I'm totally different. <laughs> but I got to control it because uh, it, it's not really a bad look for me. It's a bad look for, for the whole team. It, it don't help my team, so I got to look to my teammates, to the players, and be better for them.
Luke AI, I imagine, has his own reaction to technical fouls. That's something that is, is going to be something separate. No, no, no. I don't think we're going to do this. <laughs> well, last month, Luca, you unveiled your very first signature shoe, the Luca Jordan 1s in Paris. What was that moment like? Oh, it's unbelievable. I just, since the day they told me I had my shoe come, you know, it was a long process, but the day I could wear it finally, it was, it was amazing, you know, and especially in Paris when it was official, you know, the launch. It's just something unbelievable. Not a lot of people can say they have their own shoes, you know. I was just a kid from Slovenia wanted to play in the NBA, and now I can have I have my own shoe with Jordan. It's just a dream come true for me. When did you first meet Michael Jordan? I met him at my first All-Star. I think it was it was some celebration of something. I don't know, but I was too nervous. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> did you end up saying anything? Did you just look at your feet? Yeah, I was just saying hi, then how are you, I think, something like that. Nothing more. <laughs> I, I, I can understand those nerves. Uh, yeah. Luca, before we let you go, you all open up against the, the Phoenix Suns. You finished in the MVP conversation last season. Is that the quest this year, not only to make it to the finals, but to once again be in that conversation and possibly win MVP? I mean, yeah, hopefully, you know, <laughs> MVP is unbelievable, you know, uh, if I could be named MVP, it would be an enormous accomplishment. I'll be so happy, uh, but you never know. Uh, I, I hope I'm in that conversation. Well, the journey starts for you all against the Suns, but we will let you enjoy the limited time you have left in Slovenia. <laughs> Thank you for spending some time with us here on NBA Today. Thank you for having me. Still to come on NBA Today, find out who was ranked higher, LeBron or Kevin Durant in our NBA rank. I have a feeling there may be some debate around this one. NBA Today, back after the break. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. The newest installment of NBA Rank dropped on ESPN.com this morning, counting down the top 100 players in the NBA based on how they project to play in this upcoming season. So here's today's release of players 10 through 6. Just a reminder, Kawhi ranked number 12, James Harden 11. Coming in at 10, it is Mr. Devin Booker. And next at 9, who is it? Ja Morant. Why are you over here? Because you're too smart to be doing Vanna White. At 8, it is Mr. Kevin Durant. I'll get out of the way then. And ahead of Duran at seven is ah Jason Tatum. And coming in at sixth, oh, Ew. it is the four-time finals and regular season MVP LeBron James. 
Ew. Ew, yeah. You're ew. Ew. Yeah. All right, guys, this is the first time since NBA rank started, which was in 2011, that LeBron is outside of the top 10. So I think that begs the question, Zach, you look like you're studying the list, making sure you understand. Yeah, the Everybody top looks five. very happy. Yeah. Look how happy That's they look good. up there. Top five. What? Mr. Just correct. Fine. You know what I'm going to ask? What's the, the question? The, the question is, does he belong there? Does he belong outside the top five? Yes. He belongs. You know, look, there, there's the way I see it is this. Instead of listing people player by there's a group and then there's everyone else, right? In my opinion, it's Luka, it's, it's Giannis, it's Jokic, it's Embiid, it's Steph, LeBron, KD, and then there's everyone else. There is that mm. group. And then that's the rest of it. So I think he's right there around six because the other guys have either won MVPs or been tops of the leagues, all the stuff. I know right. he's right there, but just outside. Okay, so those five guys, once again, they are Giannis, they are Jokic, Luka. I said Giannis. Luka. Who are Curry, the other two? Curry, Curry and Embiid. Okay. Embiid. Okay, fair. So does LeBron belong at number six? I think LeBron is positioned properly. I believe a top five player gets our team to contention because we got him. Mm-hmm. And when you look at all of the guys that are ranked ahead of him, I anticipate that happening this year. But also for this list, I got to say a couple of things. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks, and, and by the way, these are all great players and all of that, but Kawhi, where's Kawhi Leonard? He's number 12. Uh, y- y- y'all must have forgot. Did y'all just see Kawhi thighs the other day? He about to come that was, back. That was, that was, that was, no, that hey, was, John, that, let, that me, was, let me tell you something. That wasn't a real picture, bro. And, and let me tell you something. <laughs> I've won player of the week before. Yeah. I've gotten an MVP vote before. Okay. That don't mean I was better than. Somebody. Somebody. So let me just show this. Let me just say this real quick. I love Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. He ain't better than Kevin Durant. Amen. Amen. Kevin Durant, Giannis, Steph, Luka, Jokic, and Kawhi to me are in the class of their own. Okay. Those four or five players. To me, that's the top five. Those guys. So Jokic is not in it. You didn't say Jokic. So he and the Joker and the Joker. Okay, so, so that's that, like that's, that's a six. So then LeBron is a one step lower. All right. LeBron is seven. All right, right. I, I want to stand to be corrected. The opinion. It's all right. Richard has just. But lived Jason Tatum hasn't passed KD and Kawhi no. just yet. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's you know, and that's something that could be proven and remain to be yep. seen mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. I want to get Brian Windhorst's opinion on this because he has covered LeBron incredibly closely throughout your entire career. How do you feel about his placement on the list? First off, I didn't know Jay Rose had gotten an MVP vote, so salute, man. No, I will say you got a max contract. To me, the max contract says a lot, and I know that was nice, too, no matter how many MVP votes you got. Look, I don't know about the rank. I don't particularly like ranking things. I'm sorry if that makes me a bad television guest. Here's what I know. If I was starting a playoff series, I would want Giannis first, and my second pick to this moment would still be LeBron. And certainly if I had the third pick, I'd be still happy. But LeBron is still right up there in a seven-game series, and that's where I view him. You want to put him sixth, you want to put him seventh, you want to put him third, whatever, but that's where I see I agree with Wendy. I can't believe it. Look, if you want to yell and scream that LeBron belongs in the top five, you read the names. Those guys are amazing, and they don't include Kawhi, who's amazing, and Durant, who's amazing. Like, these are really hard decisions. But to win in the regular season, 82 games, carrying a team, this is right for LeBron. Okay. He's older. He's only playing 55, 60 games a year. But I agree with Wendy. 
in one game or in a one-seven game series, I want him uh, over some of well, these uh, guys. Yeah, I want him yeah, over some but, of these guys. I probably want him over the centers. I can't take him over Giannis. Can't take him over Durant. Those might be the only ones because this guy is still the chess master. He's still the ultimate chess master. Here's what I know about NBA rank. You can put 100 people in a room. Everyone's going to have a different ranking of their top five. That, that's all I know. Coming up on NBA Today, more on the fallout of Celtics head coach Ime Udoka. What is next for the team? We dive in more NBA Today after this. Celtics coach Ime Udoka is likely facing a one-year suspension for his role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member. That's what sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski. I want to welcome back our senior writer, Brian Windhorst. Brian, you have spent a lot of time covering the Eastern Conference, covering the Celtics. How does the team move forward this season? Yeah, so, I mean, within the Celtics, they have already uh, started focusing on their new interim head coach, Joe Missoula. Um, obviously, there's a shock and awe situation here. Uh, the players were just informed of this decision uh, within the last 24 hours, uh, but they're getting ready for training camp. Now, it is pretty unprecedented here because Missoula not only has never been a head coach in the NBA before, he's never sat on the front of the bench in the NBA. Now, that said, he was the head coach for their summer league team last year, and he was a head coach in Division Two, Malika in Division Two NCAA. Malika, Malika, they really, really like him. Brad Stevens likes him. He was on Brad Stevens' staff. They really think a lot of him. Utah tried to hire him away with Will Hardy. The Celtics wanted to keep him and did promote him to the front of the bench this year. He has got an incredible opportunity. This team is still loaded. But it's obviously been a real shocking situation here. They're going to have to try to get past. He was also the Celtics Summer League coach in 2021. Brian Windhorst, thank you so much for that insight. Still to come on NBA Today. Hey, Jalen, how do I say it? Detroit basketball! Detroit basketball! We have trade yeah. news, and I feel like Jalen uh, Rose is going to have something to say about this one. NBA Today, back in 60 seconds. I still have PTSD. Let's hear it, Jalen. How do you say it? Detroit basketball! The Pistons are finalizing a trade to acquire veteran forward Bojan Bogdanovic from the Utah Jazz in exchange for Kelly Olynyk and Sabin Lee. That's what sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski. So here's what the Pistons roster could look like after these new acquisitions. Let's go! Jalen, play-in team? Playoff team? What are we looking at? Playoffs? 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 Another year at Cade Cunningham is going to be terrific to watch him mature, playing alongside Jaden Ivey in the backcourt. And I'm telling y'all a secret, when the Pistons are at their best, of course we're going to have that physicality and that defensive tenacity, but we usually have an all-star backcourt. And that's what we've done over the last few decades. And that's what these guys are going to be for my Detroit Pistons. I can't argue with them. Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, you had Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars. I don't know. Jimmy if they, Walker. I, I, you're Bing. going further, further. I know Dave Bing. I didn't know Jimmy Walker. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a secret. Tell me. That's my biological father. 
No way! Yes, indeed. I did know your pops played in the league. I did not know that that was the man. Mm -hmm. But anyways, they are nice. That when they have it, when they have like a backup or when they have a, a, a backcourt that is steady like that. I love Jaden yeah. Ivey, defensive guy, can also score the ball. Durant up they, front. They need they need shooting. They added shooting, but you, I don't. They don't have a lot of experience, so I don't know if I would say playoff unless they over. So DK had fifty last year. You know in the what? Game. I don't even care. Play in playoff. It's a fun move for the Pistons. The mm. best gift you can give Cade Cunningham is shooting. Boyan's mm -hmm. an elite shooter. Put him out there in the starting five. Move Bagley to the bench. They're going to be fun to watch. They got something cooking in Detroit with Cade and Ivy and Beef Stew. It said they're they're going to be fun to I watch. Got I got Trey Weaver out there. I got our, Trey Weaver out there playing chess. Producers are in my ear saying they have something else they want to show us. Uh -oh. I don't even. I don't uh, know what this is. Here we go. Oh. Let's see. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I was rocking I tried to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. Who wore it better is the question. I look good. It's not good. I look good. It's not 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 good.